I remember laying on the ground with blood pulling all around me like a halo, watching the blood puddle get bigger and bigger. And my first response was, it's not that much blood. You have a three o'clock meeting, let's go. You're fine. My relationship to my body, there, it really was, that was a big turning point. Welcome to The Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. Before we even get started, I just wanted to share a special announcement with you. There is a brand new BYU radio podcast that I really like. The show is called Kaboom, and each 15 to 20-minute episode is an original, highly produced, and immersive audio drama. It's full of action and adventure, designed for the whole family to listen to together. And you might hear a familiar voice on a couple of the episodes. Okay, spoiler me. I get to be on a couple of episodes. It was so fun to do the voice acting on this podcast, and I'm really excited for you to listen to it. It would be perfect to listen all together when you're in the car and you're on your way to a practice or you're just driving around. They're really, really fun stories. I wish I had them when my kids were a little bit younger so that we could have listened to them before we went to bed or over dinner. So here's a little trailer to give you an idea of what Kaboom is all about. It's time for Kaboom! Original audio adventures made for the whole family to enjoy together. Jump in and don't let go! Kaboom Season 1 is available now. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so that's Kaboom, and that would be a really fun thing to pop up in your social media. But let me tell you what is actually popping up in my social media right now. I was scrolling on Instagram the other day, like you do, and just for fun, I started counting the number of products that I was being pushed to look younger or to be healthier. And after I got up to about 20, I stopped. It was really depressing. And it's not just like the algorithm was giving me what I want. It's aggressively hurting my feelings. Like it's suggesting to correct things that I don't have a problem with or I didn't before it suggested I fix it. And now seriously, I'm thinking about it. No, 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 just not just the algorithm, but it was my friends too. People I really like, I mean, I follow them. They're suggesting I use what they use or I buy what they buy to stay slim, to look good, to feel healthy because they really use it. So why not? Now you could argue that my problem is against the relentless call of capitalism and how we need to buy more to feel more, but it's more than that. While counting the number of products being pushed on me, I was exposed to the beautiful, idealized, for me, images of what I'm not. Not yet. Because there is this element to social media that makes you feel like you're a part of it. As a follower or a creator, you don't notice how it affects you. You think, ah, I'm part of this community, right? I belong. And sometimes we do, and sometimes it's aspirational. So why does it make me feel lacking, especially when it comes to my body image? This has been in the background of every episode this season, and it's finally time to tackle it head on, social media. I'm going to talk to the Council of Moms, I mean, real honest people here, about the effects they've noticed for themselves and their families 
A social media influencer, Allison Faulkner of The Allison Show, and my friend who is generous enough to share her very dramatic story about how social media has affected her body image and how she's changed the way she uses it personally and professionally as a result. And I'm also going to talk to Jessica Oliva, who's a professional researcher and professor whose research investigates strategies for improving body image. And that's where I want to start because the link between social media and body image is well documented. Jessica broke it down this way. So overall, the research shows that the more that we use social media, the more unhappy we will be with our own body. Um, Specifically, if we're using social media to look at things relating to appearance or to the ideal of beauty. So for instance, following models, celebrities on Instagram, um, seeing the perfect selfie from our friends, the more we're exposed to images of beauty and to things relating to appearance on social media and the more that we use social media, the more likely we are to feel unhappy with our body. Um, And that holds for people across ages and genders as well. Right out of the gate, Jessica is saying something which feels familiar. More social media equals less mental health in general. And I think a lot of us can feel that instinctively. Although the way this happens can vary so much from person to person. I had a conversation about this with my sister Gina and our longtime friend Emily Campbell. Now, as always, the Council of Moms gives me a unique, varied perspective about a big topic. For Gina, body image is tied to athleticism and performance, while Emily has the perspective of someone living in a bigger body than most of the people she associates with. That's really interesting because I've been very active all my life, and so I like to think, no, I've got this down because I feel good about what my body can do. I know I don't look like maybe the role models that I had sought when I was a teenager. I mean, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, I did not see my body type as exemplified as like one that was desirable. Same. (laughs) (laughs) I was really sporty. I was muscly. I was curvy. Now, I look, I have three daughters who are in there from 21 to 17. So having dealt with the social media, you know, while they're growing up in their teen years and everything. And so I've been really sensitive to that. So I'm like, no, I'm not affected by this. Like, I've got this and I'm helping the girls with this. But it is so pervasive that that I've caught myself having to step back and go, oh, I don't feel good because I'm watching this woman who's, you know, 10, 15 years younger than I am mm-hmm. doing these like, you know, athletic things that I can't do and that, honestly, I've never been able to do. (laughs) So it's for me, it isn't necessarily like appearance. It sounds so dumb, but like kind of performance, you know, like, oh, I don't run that fast or my yoga poses aren't that Mm -hmm. good or something. And so where I thought I was really good, I, I really have kind of had to take a look and see how I am affected by that social media. That can be rough, man. You know, like the the book you've been reading on this. And, more Than a Body. Yeah, More you Than can, a Body. You can check it out on YouTube if yes. you want to see our book club. Yes. They're really fun. And I've been listening to the episodes and reading some of the book. And the book has made me realize that, like, I, by the way, I'm a, I'm a person in an extra large body. And most of my people in my life, like all of my friends, are pretty dang thin. Like, they all have really healthy, beautiful, what I think is like gorgeous, perfect bodies, you know? And I've noticed that like on my social media, I think that's why I don't follow a ton of celebrities as I'm like, 
I, I need a little more variety. Like, it is really important to be exposed to all shapes and sizes, all aging processes. I do like when I see those celebrities that are aging naturally. Maybe I don't like it on myself as much. But when I see somebody <laughs> else, I'm like, well, oh, yeah. Well, isn't that an interesting y- yeah. distinction, I though, think too? so. You look at it and you say you judge something that you see online differently yeah. than you judge your face in the mirror. I think we do that all the time. We do. Like someone huh? would tell me, oh, you look, you know, you know, like I said, I'm in an extra large body and I'm sure this has happened where one of my friends would say, oh, you look great at the pool or you look awesome or whatever. But if they looked the way I looked, they would be like, no, I need to do something about this. Do you know what I mean? So I, yeah, I think, I think we do that harder, all the time. Uh, we're harder on ourselves sure. and don't offer ourselves as much grace and like kindness as we would our friends. Absolutely. I know we do that I because people that. will be self-deprecating and say, yeah. oh, my belly is big or my rolls or whatever. And, I, and I'll be like, cry me a river. You're four <laughs> sizes smaller than me, you know? So if I, if you looked in, but then you're telling me I look good, you know, we yeah. do it all the time, don't we? All the time. What Emily brought up highlights that the problem isn't just that social media brings out the comparison in us, but also that it puts us in this position of giving others the benefit of the doubt while being really harsh with ourselves. Emily talked about being surrounded by body types that don't look like hers. And whether it's your friends or strangers or celebrities, that's going to affect your body image. When I asked Jessica for some actionable ways we can try to reclaim this space, she had some great tips. Hide accounts that make you feel bad. Go into your settings in the Instagram app, find the ads section, and look for topics like weight loss or dieting. You can choose to show less of those things. And finally, this is the tip that was so cool to me. Check it out. And then three, adding in um, positive influences. So whether body positivity is your thing, following accounts like that. And in the research I mentioned with the uh, women's journeys toward positive body image, we also find it doesn't necessarily have to be body positivity as long as it's accounts that you're following where you see people, let's say, living their best life, regardless of whether they are accepted by society. So um, whatever that might mean, it's that people are not letting their physical appearance or their body and what people think about their body limit the type of life that they can lead. So being inspired by those kinds of people. Um, So that could be body positivity, but it can be something very different. This is an exciting idea to me, that I can have positive influences on my own body image that don't even have to be specifically on topic about body image. Because I don't know about you, but I'm experiencing a little body image discussion fatigue. We're almost at the end of this series, and I'm honestly looking forward to not thinking about it as much. But I know I still need ongoing protection against the harmful messaging, which is always coming at us by default. And this provides an answer for that. During the production process for this series, I've been more intentional about following more accounts of people who just post interesting stuff to me. So a lot of accounts on comedy sites, art accounts, photographers, musicians, and museums. Having these accounts pop up as I scroll just indirectly shows me different people and they're by different bodies, and especially people who are pursuing their passions and joy in life where their bodies aren't the purpose or focus of the accounts. It's time for me to bring in Allison from The Allison Show. She's a friend and someone I followed on social media for a long time, and a person whose body image journey is inseparable from her relationship with social media over several decades. 
You heard her voice at the beginning of the episode, pushing herself to make her three o'clock in the aftermath of a traumatic injury that she'll explain a little more in a moment. Allison came into the studio to tell her story, which actually starts years earlier, before social media was even a thing. So to give you a little bit of background, I can't remember not being put on a diet. So I was taken to Jenny Craig, a weight loss meal system in fourth grade. Fourth grade. Uh-huh. I was put on Fentramine, Fen Fen. There was a class action lawsuit. Yeah, uh, there was. And when I was like 12. Don't do that anymore. Yeah, my grandparents gave me that. And so this was a family culture. This was a family culture. And here's the thing my parents are, are wonderful people. I'm from Southern California. That definitely does play a part. However, that just was not like I tell people these things now and they're like, oh. But that nobody was gasping at the At the Jenny Craig meeting, I remember, you know, I'm a nine-year-old telling people how I said no to the birthday cake brought to class and they were all applauding for me. So that is the headspace. And it remained the headspace for years as Allison got older and began her career as a copywriter. So she started a blog. And I would come in every morning. I called it my creative exercise, and I would just write. And Um, people started reading her writing. And I remember being at a barbecue, and someone's like, I read your blog post, and I was like, I have words, and you listened? I'm a middle child. This is a huge deal for me. Social media itself got bigger and created new channels. Like, I've got my blog. I don't go on Facebook because I have too many ex-boyfriends, and I'm just going to do the blog. And a friend of mine was like, you got to get on Instagram. You got to be doing this. So finally, I caved. I start sharing on Instagram. And over time, people from the blog came to Instagram. And so that right there is one of the facades of social media where people would be like, wow, you're blowing up on social media. And I'm like, after five to 10 years of writing on a blog, right? And as Allison's social media presence continued to grow, the technology changed and connected her brand to her body in a way that it hadn't before. It grew, and when Instagram got video, I started dancing. Yeah. And it was adorable because I lost thousands of followers (laughs) immediately. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like a mass exodus. But over time, that became something that people really loved. And it has always been connected to my body and my size. Now, this is before TikTok. This is before, mm-hmm. you know, news anchors are building social media followings by learning dances. And it was like, I'm just an average-sized woman, not trying to look too attractive. And that was shocking to so many people. Now, here's the best part. 15 years forward, I can look back and be like, this is insane. I'm actually by all standards, especially at that time, a petite woman, you know, a a, a smallish woman. Uh, But the fact that I wasn't rail thin made me very approachable. And you, sure, this could be conjecture, but this is also just straight up feedback that I'm, I'm given. So I did a clothing collaboration and I remember the, the woman saying, you know, people said you're our favorite model because you're so relatable. So it really starts mm. to create this narrative and this story in my head. I'm a, you know, relatable sized woman. Relatable to who? I'm relatable to women that are white and blonde and think they should weigh closer to 100 pounds. Um, And because I am somewhere in the middle, 
It was like I was just, how brave. That's what people always tell me. Oh, you're so brave. Oh, Allison, you're so brave. You just show up. I'm like, oh, it's brave for me to show up looking. In my body, in looking my body. how I look. <laughs> how I was. And being a relatable influencer came with some drawbacks, especially for someone with a lifetime of experience controlling the shape of her body down to the last calorie. But a lifetime of disordered eating and a totally abusive relationship with um, food and myself and my body within myself um, added also to just an entire construct of my worth is more worthy when I look a little better. There, people are more interested. They, they, they are. So it's this interesting thing. If I get too thin, I'm not as relatable. You don't want to see me dance. I'm just another hot blonde girl on the internet. If I'm heavier, well, I'm so relatable. So Allison pushed herself to stay in the window prescribed by social media as the most likable, relatable version of her physical self. But while her career and following and success continue to climb, her body began to deteriorate until a horrible injury changed everything. Most recently, I had a book come out last August. It's called You're Already Awesome. But I wrote that book at the end of 2020. And then right after that, my body shut down. My nervous system stopped working. My bladder stopped working. I mean, that's not a cute picture, but it wasn't a cute time. Um, it was, it's great because, oh, another thing that happened was in 2017, I was on a run and I got hit by a car. Now, you laugh when you I say that. I did laugh because I, you, because I remember watching my friend yeah. and you it was were like, serious. oh my gosh, you guys, I just got hit by a car. And mm-hmm. I'm watching this on social media. I'm trying to like message you like, are you okay? Is this yeah. a joke? It wasn't a joke. No. And it actually affected you f- physically, from what I understand now, years later, a lot more than you realized. Oh, absolutely. What, what, what absolutely. was the effect of that? Well, that's another interesting conversation for another day is response to trauma and the expectation to show up on social media. So that right there is— That affects your body image. Uh mm. Absolutely. And also, right before I got hit, I had lost a ton of weight. I was exercising a ton. I was in amazing shape. And really, I had been counting calories for years. And I was, you know, on top of the world. And I remember when I got hit, my marker of success was going to be that I didn't gain weight after getting hit. I was like, okay, but I'll still count calories because I'm not going to let all this hard work go to waste. So I had these broken ribs and three small children. Fiona was two. I couldn't lift her. And my relationship to my body, it really was, that was a big turning point. It was. Because I remember laying on the ground with blood pulling all around me like a halo, watching the blood puddle get bigger and bigger. And my first response was, it's not that much blood. You have a three o'clock meeting, let's go. You're fine. I broke vertebrae, ribs, I had to get stitches uh, in my head, uh, by my eyebrow, and I had to, in a completely different way, learn to be in my body. 
This turning point that Allison is describing is something that Jessica Aliva noticed frequently in her research as well. As she studied the way body image evolves over a person's lifetime and the role of social media in that journey, she saw that many people have a moment like this. One thing that really um, surprises me and inspires me as well is um, how, uh, well, a lot of things, but if I had to choose one, probably is that out of women's moments of rock bottom. So throughout these women's stories, it really struck me how many of them, almost all of them, experienced different forms of trauma in their body, had developed eating disorders, had uh, a physical disability that really impacted their life many different things, but from those really uh, darkest moments, which they called rock bottom, for example, um, that was what for them was the spark to say, okay, enough is enough. I want to change things for myself and for other people. Um, So before their journey began, for all of these women, there was this moment of reaching a kind of rock bottom where they have felt their worst or their lowest about their body, or they've been really ill, or they've had an eating disorder that almost killed them. And out of this moment of darkness is like this spark of, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's what I found really, really inspiring as well. Um, The strength of these women uh, to stand up for themselves. One of the participants said it's almost like um, everyone has their bullies and I had finally stood up to mine. This experience of identifying the bullies, whether those are real people in our lives, algorithm ads preying on our insecurities, or that critical voice in our own heads, finding it and standing up to it is something that I recognized from Allison's story. In this moment of extraordinary darkness and pain and loss, she had a realization about the bullying influence that was standing between her and her ability to heal. Not just from injuries, but healing completely. I truly have put in the work to heal Mm -hmm. from that. I used to have terrible flashbacks, terrible PTSD, um, went to therapy, different therapy modalities for that. It truly is healed. And I say that to anybody who's struggling with something that they're like, I don't think this can heal. I've I've met people. It's too much. much. And you know what? It takes a really long time. It took three or four years with lots of different types of physical therapy to get those injuries in a good place. I had these huge huge injections in my neck done. I mean, there was, it took a really long time. And what's interesting is I remember being in bed and I remember, you know, thinking about my body and thinking about all the things I couldn't do and all the ways I felt like I was on fire. And I was so mad at God because I was like, I worked so hard and you just stopped everything. This is so unfair. I worked so hard. I was the main financial income from our family at that point. My husband was working, starting his business, and I had worked and worked and worked. I was launching all these products and courses. I just hired my first full-time employee, and I got hit by a freaking car. And I remember noticing how cruel that inner dialogue was. Mm. It was so mean. It was so mean. And I was shocked because I was like, Okay, so you've got broken ribs, broken vertebrae. When do you get to be nice to your body? When do you get to be nice? At at what point do I get cut some slack? Yeah. Because I had gone through three horrific pregnancies that I barely survived, like barely lived through, truly. Horrific postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, 
barely lived through that. No compassion. And for myself. And that's when I realized that I was in a very abusive relationship with my body and that I had maybe been violently beating it in a way. And now I was just doing some light verbal abuse. It was still abuse. Yeah, it was like, but look how much better yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was better. I was better. But I was better if everything looked good. And I was better if I was successful. And I was better if everything was outwardly projecting good. But then I was better. I asked Allison, having been through so much, is it related to social media? What did you do? How did you heal that relationship? We know that less is better, but less isn't always an option. And for someone like Allison, whose life is online, this effect gets amplified. I've had a very hard time deciding if I even wanted to continue on social media. Definitely some wounds. Definitely. I just want to pause for yeah. a second and say how big of a deal that is for you to say that because you are a social media expert and because you've, <laughs> you talk to businesses and people. Yeah, I teach on this. I have courses on this. I travel around the country. And so for mm-hmm. you to say, okay, I know, I know a lot more than the average person. I don't know if it's for me. After my nervous system completely shut down and needed to essentially be re-regulated, and what that means is your nervous system is attached to everything, right? So um, if you get tingling sensations, if uh, your bladder, your intestines, all those things, they are attached to your nervous system. So lots of times, any chronic illness um, falls into something that has to do with the nervous system. And the reason why chronic illnesses are often a black hole diagnosis, essentially meaning it's a lack of diagnosis Mm -hmm. rather than an actual diagnosis, is because you can't touch the nervous system with the traditional methods of our healthcare system. You have to have talk therapy. You have to have some sort of different healing modalities that help access different parts of the brain. And we're getting better and better at this. But if you're interested in learning more, just look up somatic healing. And I bring this up because Part of the reason that I was trying to decide if I want to model the use of social media is because it dysregulates our nervous systems so much. So we're getting those cheap thrills, those cheap wins, those little adrenaline boosts, the serotonin boosts. It's essentially, you know, scrolling through social media. It's like pulling on the slot machine. It's doing the same reactions in our body and brain. So there's that side of it where it's like, it's contributing to your depression. It's contributing to your anxiety. It's contributing to your racing thoughts, your racing heart, (sighs) not being able to be in the body. Okay, so there's that side of it, which maybe has to do with your physical and mental and emotional health. And then there's the aspect of it. Okay, I am literally putting my whole day, I'm I'm putting my whole day, my whole body, my whole everything on display all the time. And I'm exiting my physical reality and entering a virtual reality. And I'm toggling back and forth so much that what is real? And I have found after I had the opportunity to be so dead that I did not work for about a year and a half, um, that, and, and people would congratulate me on that choice. And I'm like, well, it was kind of a choice and I was yeah. kind of not okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have enough integrity and enough knowledge at that point where I'm like, I'm not going to show up. It would be cruel. It'd be cruel. It'd be like wow. running on a broken leg right now. 
Whether you're creating content or scrolling, keeping a boundary with your physical reality is so important. Jessica and her research found ways that social media can have positive side effects on body image when it helps us work together to question negative influences, gaining what Jessica calls critical knowledge. And it can also point us to real-world communities, helping us connect with our bodies in meaningful and loving ways when we find people and activities that help us care for our bodies for reasons besides image and appearance. We also found that uh, women um, gained access to what we called critical knowledge, and here it was also quite diverse. So uh, whether that was through the body positive movement or self-help resources or therapy, or even through spirituality, there were many different pathways, but what all of these things had in common is that women uh, learned new ways of seeing themselves and seeing the world. So specifically thinking, for example, in the context of beauty, like, okay, why is it that I think that I'll be happier and more beautiful if I would lose weight? Um, why is it that we have this one ideal of beauty? And is that really the case? And can I challenge that? And then uh, from there forwards, kind of using that to view the world more critically and to rebuild the way that they think about themselves in a more positive uh, way. Um, which was also uh, really, really interesting. And part of that as well could have been, for instance, through body positive social media. Um, and I think the application of that as well, again, how much power we have in our own hands to like, if we realize that we want to feel more positive in our bodies, more embodied, um, if we don't want our body to stand or the way we feel about our appearance to stand in our way of living our fullest life, okay, what can I do to think about beauty differently or to see the world more critically, um, to open up new perspectives of seeing myself. Um, and maybe the last um, one to give as an example is that we found that almost everyone found ways of engaging in joyful movement. So again, lots of diversity, some women doing roller derby, other women who found a passion for yoga or running or dance. Doesn't matter what it was, as long as it was something that they were doing that um, help them to feel joy and pleasure and passion in their body um, and comfortable in their body and with a focus on doing that movement for enjoyment and for respect for their body rather than oh I'm going to run to lose weight for example so it was really about discovering something you enjoy doing in your body that brings you joy and happiness and also relating back to the social part, um, a lot of people found like through some form of movement, a sense of community. So getting up every morning to run with people that you feel happy being around and where you're not focused on appearance or dancing with people who everyone loves dancing and is enjoying this so much. Um, so linking together with the community and learning to see your body based on its functions rather than appearance. Um, that was really cool seeing that reflected back in this current study as well, that that's like a really key turning point towards developing positive body image. In the spirit of media literacy, Allison was very transparent about what incentivizes a content creator, having seen and experienced it all through the whole evolution of social media. Not everyone has her ethics, and I was so appreciative of her giving us a behind the scenes into that world. All of these things contribute to the body image because what you're not realizing is 
they are paying bills. People are feeding families. Entire businesses are running on this. You become at the whim and the mercy to the algorithm. So you posting yourself in a, a sexy swimsuit shot might help the whole business. And if I wanted to grow, all I have to do is post pictures of myself in a swimsuit. I'm just lumpy enough at this point that if I wanted to grow, that's actually exactly what I could do. And here's the thing is like, I'm friends with the people who are posting the lumpy pictures of themselves in underwear. I think they're great people. I think we're all at different phases of development. I just think there's always a fundamental flaw <laughs> when we are identified with the physical, always. And it's it's a tricky it's a tricky widget because social media is a physical <laughs> it's a physical thing. So for me, first and foremost, the the advice that I would give to everybody, the boundary would be spend time in reality, and that has been wow. the most beautiful lesson. Is I started doing these power hours where I talked to one person for 60 minutes. I didn't have the capacity to do that before. I do now since I've healed and it's a beautiful miracle. And in these one hour conversations, it's like I'm hearing the other side of the conversation I didn't hear for the last six or seven years. Wow. Um, what I heard were comments, emails, and those represent a part of the story, a portion of the story. But in these in-depth conversations with people, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is reality. And I was creating an entire reality about myself, about my body, about my business, about my looks, based on five words online, 10 word comments, 15 word email. My hope is that we will look back at the way that social media is unregulated, specifically with children, the same way, and we will be so shocked and abhorred, the same way we are when we see in a movie a pregnant woman smoking or a bunch of people smoking indoors. Like we have like this kind of like, wow, I can't believe we used to do that. We didn't even have seatbelts. Right? That's what I really, really hope happens. Allison found community and careers on social media, but she can also take a step back and realize how we are still in our infancy as a society and recognizing all of these effects social media has on us, especially our body image. In hitting a rock bottom moment, a moment when she says, when am I gonna stop being so mean to myself? When can I be kind to my body? a moment and story we've heard a lot over this entire Body Image series. She took a step back and reevaluated her intentions and reasons and came back on her own terms, wiser and more careful with how she showed up on social media. Maybe this will be the thing that we look back on and think, why did they do that? And we'll all just sigh in the future and say something like, well, it was so new back then. We didn't know. It was the wild, wild west. Even now, during production of this body image series, I was collecting photos to use for a reel on Instagram showing myself through different phases of life. And even knowing what I know, I was still cringing at some of those old photos, thinking, well, oh, that's not a really flattering one, or, ooh, I can't use that one. Like Emily told us in the Council of Moms, even when she's showing her kids, she's still worried about how her hair looks or if the angle is right. Ugh, we all do it. It's such a unifying feeling. None of us can just not care perfectly or remove ourselves from the influences of social media on our body image completely. But we can be mindful of it and choose how we show up and use social media. We can have honest conversations about how hard it is online and face-to-face. 
This is how we're going to make it better for ourselves and each other. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio, hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by Becca Hurley and McKay Menden with help from Tabitha Freitas and music and post-production by Josh Fouts and Sam Clausen. If you want to make your social media feed a more body-affirming place, find The Lisa Show on Instagram and Facebook where we share tips, clips, and upbeat, empowering content. If you want to share the love, please consider leaving a review of The Lisa Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It makes a big difference.